Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Holy cow. Seth Rogen. As I always say, let's get to it as quickly as possible. There are a couple uh, exciting things I want to tell you about first. Uh, first, I can't believe it's coming so close. February 19th at 10.30 p.m. on HBO is the premiere of Crashing, the show that I and Judd Apatow have been working on for the past almost two years. It's crazy. It's coming out. I'm so, so excited. I really, really hope you like it. Please check out Crashing February 19th on HBO. We're also doing a Crashing comedy tour, which I'm stoked about. It's going to be me and some of the other stand-ups that are on the show, which is going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to be in Philadelphia on February 10th at the uh, Trucadero. I hope I'm saying that right. Trucadero Theater. New York City on February 12th at the Gramercy. So happy to be coming back to New York City. Uh, L.A. February 18th at the Regency. And San Francisco, February 22nd at the Herps Theater. All those tickets are going to be on PeteHolmes.com. And I'm also going to be at Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids. We're going to do that again, which is so funny, in March. So I hope to see you guys, all the weirdos I can, out there. Uh, Also, today's episode is brought to you by something else on HBO. I think you know at a time when everybody's talking politics, who better than the irreverent and hilarious and inclusive voice of Bill Maher to cut through the chatter. I love real time. I love Bill. His rotating panel of guests are back for more, and I can't believe it's season 15 of HBO's award-winning series Real Time with Bill Maher. Following a year of tracking the election, we pick up just as the new president takes office live Bill Maher hosts guests made up of authors, thinkers, newsmakers, artists, politicians, firebrands, and provocateurs uh, from both sides of the aisle. So join them as they dissect the new and not-so-new people and happenings on Wall Street, Hollywood, around the world, and Washington. Watch Real Time with Bill Maher live Fridays at 10 p.m. only on HBO. Also, every week, the conversation continues on Real Time Overtime on YouTube. One final thing, I love doing my Pete's Picks. These are products that have personally changed my life for the better. I love telling weirdos about them. In fact, I was just doing a show this past week at The Satellite, and uh, there were a couple weirdos there here in L.A., and they grabbed me, and they were just like, I was like, oh, they're fans of the show or whatever, and they were like, we want to tell you how much we love Charlotte's Web. It's a game changer. (laughs) This happened. She was like, I put it in my tea. This is the amazing hemp oil that Louis Anderson and I talked about. It's called Charlotte's Web. It's made with CBD, not THC. So it's just the CBD part of the hemp plant. So it's a completely functional product. It makes me feel so good, but it's not psychoactive, which means for me, you know, I can read on it, hold a conversation, follow a movie. It's completely a normal feeling. No cloudiness whatsoever, just a good clean, clear, calm, happy glow that I really love, and I'm so excited that weirdos are discovering it as well. I take it when I have a headache or a crick in my neck or if I have to sit on a plane for a long time in the middle seat. It makes me drink less. I think I drink just because I'm uncomfortable or in some sort of pain. 
I love this product in, in lieu of that. I've given uh, some to so many people that I know, and I want you guys to try it too. So go to cwhemp.com slash weird, promo code you made it weird for 10% off the amazing Charlotte's Web. You guys, I hope you love it as much as I do. We have a second Pete's pick, which is Alpha Brain. I don't know if you're aware of this. I've mentioned it several times on the pod, but Alpha Brain is my absolute favorite supplement capsule that I take every single day, as you can probably guess by the name. It's a nootropic, uh, which is like a vitamin for your noggin, and I swear for your noggin, and I swear by it. For the past three years, I haven't recorded a podcast, done stand-up, written a script, or meditated without it. I always take like three, about 15 minutes before every podcast you've ever listened to, including this one, and it totally helps with my recall and my language abilities and communication and all that stuff and thinking and memory. I really love it. It really works. So much so, I keep a bottle in my backpack, in my car. Every jacket that I own, if you put your hand in the pocket, there's going to be a couple alpha brains in there. It's the sort of thing where if I forget it when I park for the podcast, I go back and get it. I've literally turned my car around because I forgot some at home that happened once. It's that important and effective to me. So I got in touch with them so we can get you guys 10% off. All you got to do is go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you'll automatically get 10% off if you want to try it. And I hope you do because... I was like, oh, that's a great, that's a great Pete's pick. That's a, literally an everyday thing for me, just like Charlotte's Web. So that's it, guys. Enjoy Seth Rogen. Hope to see you in Philly, San Fran, New York, or L.A. coming up. Uh, hope you like the picks. Watch real time. That's it. Enjoy Seth Rogen. I kind of still can't believe it. Enjoy Seth Rogen. Get into it. I remember uh, before I had ever smoked uh, pot. Welcome to the show, by the Thank way. Thank you. We can talk. Let's talk about the room. Um, I'm so honored you're here. I mean, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I was saying when you pulled up, I always finally assume... I'm on a podcast. <laughs> do you not do podcasts? <laughs> no, I've done a couple. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I forget who made the joke, but it is the LA equivalent of uh, "Will you drive me to the airport?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I always like talking to people, but I've realized slowly that, like, after what I do all day, the last thing I want to do is listen to yeah. two comedians talk to one yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that's what I do all day. You know, is I listen wonder... to comedians talk. To one <laughs> I wonder if you ever felt this way too. This is such a up my own ass thought. Why are my earphones going? Oh, there it is. It was just a, it was the hardware. <laughs> this is something I would never. I probably even shouldn't say this, but sometimes when you're acting, do you ever like finish acting and then someone comes up? Uh, I'm not talking about a stranger. A friend comes up and they're like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" And you're like, "I've been emoting all day." You know, <laughs> does that make any sense? It does. It's uh, yeah. I don't emote that much when I'm <laughs> so I've, I've seen other actors experience that, thing, and, I, and I've and I understand. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm aware that I'm full of uh, full of shit in that situation, and I've never been like back off. But I'm like, that's strange. We're kind of acting all day, and then yeah. when you're acting. In a thing, you do get tired of like my routine when we were doing when Jen and I were doing the show in New York was I'd come home at like eight o'clock, yeah. have like one glass of wine and, and go to sleep. Like that's all yeah. I could do. Yeah. And I have to imagine you've done that I read ad nauseum. I read in Sidney Lumet's book about filmmaking, which is the most pretentious way to serve <laughs> maybe if you were making a list, that would be high on the list. It wouldn't be yeah, it's Sydney it's was... right under I heard I was listening to NPR and I heard um, I heard Sidney Lumet. Yeah, yeah that's the that's the peak. Um, I, should but, I know uh, this book? I don't know this book. It's a great book. 
book. It's probably one of the most like user friendly books about filmmaking. What's it called? It's called like Making Movies. I think it's called. <laughs> um, if you and, can't remember the name, exactly. You don't have to yeah, say it's I think that's I think that's what it's called. You okay. can check. Uh, there's Daniel a human Good. here who can look. But um, <laughs> in it, which is I remember at the time, it thinking it was a weird thing to write in a book it about it's called making, making movies. movies. But he says while he's making a movie, he doesn't go out, and he says that like I don't. He's like I don't go out for dinner when I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's like I don't see friends. It's like I stay yeah. home, and I and I remember at the time being like, "Oh, good," because I I don't I just well, don't go out much in general. So they're hooking the well. That, I th- maybe we have that in common. I like uh, the structure body. of performing. If it's line performing or or something you're shooting, I like that. You kind of know the rules. You yeah. show up and you perform, and it's not inappropriate or weird that you're making jokes or, uh-huh. or pretending. But then the rest of the time, I do kind of like to. It's like an introverted extrovert. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard that? I have heard that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just like to sit around at home and do nothing a lot. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of just what I'm working towards at all times I, is it, how do I get home to do nothing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. Yeah. Especially nice. – well, it's actually kind of the golden age of that. It is the golden age of doing nothing. But I've actually reached a startling realization recently, which is I like doing things, which is a weird thing. As someone who's always identified as, as someone who likes doing nothing, yeah. I've slowly had to accept that I like doing things. Yeah, I know. Which is – it's a weird realization to – I'm right there with yeah. you. Because I, what is it – at a certain point, not doing something starts to feel a certain way. I just don't know what to – I just – and I and then I start to realize, like, I'm just happier when I'm doing things. Yeah. And I, and I have to accept that. I, I was actually just thinking about that. Uh, Judd, uh, I know he's a friend of ours in common, obviously. He is. He is a good friend in that he'll be like, why aren't we doing shows? Let's go do a show. You know he, what I mean? And I'm like, oh, I should go. And then I go do a show. With him, yeah. and then I'm happier. And he's probably the first guy I knew <laughs> that was always doing things. And he at, does and things. At, and at that, when we, when I first met him, I did not like doing things, and I thought he was <laughs> fucking psychotic for wanting to do things all the time. But yeah. now, as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, he's he's. I'm getting there. Where right. I want to do things. Right. I want to go out and you I want to do things. Kinda... I'm happy when I'm doing things. Right. When I, yeah. When I'm. Yeah. Well, your brain is right. I like to say paranoid people are correct. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I watch like my uh, – it's not my strange addiction. It's like my weird phobia or something. All great things. And they're like, I'm afraid that my refrigerator is going to fall through the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you live in California. There could also be a huge earthquake or your heart could stop or you could have an aneurysm. So my therapist likes to say that paranoid people are correct. And similarly, your brain is correct when it's like stay at home. Yeah. This is something that Johnny Pemberton said on our thing. It's the correct – Temperature. Yeah. There's food. Yeah. It's there's entertainment. Yeah. There's information. Yeah, I feel very se- secure and safe in my home. But yeah. we need to like pull volt over that correctness. Yeah. And realize that adventure yeah. actually is better than just having your needs met. Well, it's also good because I have a job that forces me to That's do, it. To, to do a lot of stuff. This is why we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly. Lucky. I haven't been doing shows like, and I just yeah. don't go out. I have to try live in I live in three different cities in a given year, yeah. um, which I would never choose to do in a quadrillion <laughs> years, but yeah. But it's really good. It's probably good for me to go yes. live in Atlanta and New Orleans and San Francisco and, right. and Albuquerque and to see what it's like in and those meet people and, and talk meet people to people. And yeah, um, yeah, and and it's again, it's something that every like shred of my fiber does not want to be doing. Right. But then once I'm doing it, I have I, I I enjoy it and I look back and I think you know when I'm on a podcast one day it'll make me sound like a more interesting. Ah, person that's true. That I've lived in all these different cities. See, I, I, for periods of time, I, which is the goal. Exactly. It's all. 
all about perception. Yeah. I do a bit about that uh, where I open and I t- kind of talk about this Pemberton, the point that he and I made together it was like, oh, we've done it. We've gotten out of the house. And I was yeah. like, when we're old, we can look back and say, I did things. Exactly. That's I all that matters. I did some stuff. Yeah, we can say that anyway. But it, I, we can say that. We've already <laughs> done enough stuff. You have to do stuff to say it. Yeah. But you're not, you just make shit up, which a lot of old people do. I think. <laughs> they realize no one's, yeah. <laughs> no one's watching. I was raised on lies. <laughs> oh, my God. I just spent uh, Christmas with my family, and I wrote down, Pete, like something to read when I'm a dad and an older man. You might be wrong. Oh, yeah. I listened to my father and my older brother have an argument about whether or not it was my brother in a photograph that my father That's had funny. Are you married? I, I'm not married, but I live with my girlfriend. I got you. Well, yeah. When, yeah. I'm, as a married person, I know that I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need a constant reminder that I might be wrong. Yeah, you married one. <laughs> I'm acutely aware that I that she's constantly telling me. What I, are you I, wrong about? Give me an example of wrongness. So much stuff. Is, it, so, is this good? It keeps you in check? Are you the sort of person I mean, one of the most like, criticized. I remember we, like early in our relationship, I was driving, and I like clipped another car's like mirror with my mirror <laughs> that was parked. And like my first instinct was to just like go like <laughs> just like fucking like bail as fast as but she's like no like you have to go back and stop and leave a note on that person's car That's and if so you broke their funny. shit you have to pay for it yeah. and i was like oh i was wrong like, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Just, that was like every bad instinct that a person could have and i had all those instincts. But your your wife is a creative uh, yeah. type as well. Uh-huh. And I wondered if maybe you guys were just similar people that were going around being wrong in the same ways. I'm sure we are in a lot of ways <laughs> as well. But that doesn't mean we don't also have ways that the other person is. She's also wrong a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been married? I've been married for five years. But we've been together for 12 years. Isn't that annoying? Yeah, it's a long like, time. I just, yeah. no, I didn't know. No, I have no, to reset no. that you reset the together to clock. Yeah, there's two together times. Clause. It's true, especially if I waited so long. That yeah. For that one reason, it makes me wish that I had gotten married much closer to when we started yeah, dating. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I could say like, oh yeah, we've been together. That's I could right. just say I've been married for 12 years. We've been together for 12 years. Oh, yeah, Val and yeah. I have been together for four years. Yeah. And if we get married next year. You reset it. We're yeah. like, we've been together six months. Oh, newlyweds. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. I'm like, no, I fart on the regular. Yeah. <laughs> loud and proud yeah. in front of this woman. Yeah, it's That true. is not a new thing. No, it's not. Yeah. But I, you know, I thought my dad <laughs> could use some regulating. There's yeah. something about... A witness. You know what I mean? Someone else that's with you that goes, hey, I've noticed this horrible trait about you or whatever. And I think my dad just stopped listening to anyone. Yeah. Because he was saying to my brother, "Uh, this is you in the photograph. And my brother was like, I know the photo you're talking about. It's not me. That was my friend uh, Michael. He's like, no, 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 it was you. And then I watched my dad start lying. He'd be like, no, no, no. Uh, and my dad, my brother was like, yeah, I'm in the middle of two guys and we're wearing baseball hats. That's not me. He's like, no, no, you weren't in the middle. You were on the... Dad! He was spinning it. Just say... It's impi- You're from Vancouver. I am. I'm from Boston. I don't know what Vancouver's like, but there's a certain Lovely. breed of stubbornness that Boston has a has Vancouver a does not have corner that. on. Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> Tell me about that. There's a. There, I just watched Take This Waltz, which is filmed. Oh in yeah. Vancouver. No, no, that's filmed in Toronto. Oh, excuse me. No, it's okay. I've made the mistake. No, a lot of people do it. I understand. <laughs> I don't assume Americans know anything. I've about been to Vancouver. It looks countries. like it looks like Mega City One. 
Uh, it does look like a very yeah. futuristic. It's got some. Uh, it's beautiful. It's got big, lots of glass. Yeah, uh, it didn't look like that when I was growing up. They're those buildings. Right. You know what I'm talking about? They're these buildings downtown that yeah. kind of look big, like, like monolithic, futuristic, exactly. glass buildings. And yeah. then you also have a church that's like three million years yeah, old. Yeah, there's and... also there's a mix of. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's a nice city. It's what I what I've realized more. But you don't more, have cold, uh, angry old people. We do, yeah. Of course we do. Yeah, I was. My grandparents were two of them, but uh, but I think Canadians in general are maybe a little more. Uh, I mean, I, I Boston people are known for being no. Please pile it on. What are Boston people known for being? You, Angry, you racist. Yeah, uh, Vancouver people are not known for being that. <laughs> stubborn too. Yeah, there's something about that. Like wrongness is is weakness. And my dad's made a lot of progress. Yeah, I love my dad. But I don't think he knows how impressed his sons yeah. would be if he just said, oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I feel like shit. I, I thought that was yeah. you. I, I, what a dope yeah. I am. Canadians are okay admitting that they're wrong and apologizing. Yes. <laughs> I think maybe – is that a stereotype that Canadians have is that like stubborn, bullheaded, like never wrong – like Donald Trump essentially. Yeah. Sort of mutated. There's something uh, in Trump in all of the men I've known <laughs> growing up that's sort of like not all of them. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's an American uh, phenomenon. <laughs> from from my experience, yeah, largely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, the stereotype of Canada being friendly. No yes. one, no one has a gun. The great kids in the hall joke. Yes, exactly. I'm like an American without a gun. Yeah. It's uh, similar. Kids in the Hall is a very good representation <laughs> of Canada, honestly. Really? Like, it really is. It actually is. Like, it very I, – I, it really – if you are very familiar with Kids in the Hall, then you probably have a very good sense of what really? Canadian people are like. Okay. Yeah. I can really get into is. that. It's weird. They're very – it's like a weird. weird sensibility. It's kind of quirky. It's nice. It seems like this yeah. sort of sense of humor – I'm projecting here, but it seems like the sort of – it's like camp sense of humor. Yeah, kind Meaning of. like board – Inside – Board groups yeah. of children. Yeah. Would get together uh-huh. and come up with a joke about a sketch about a guy who doesn't speak English. Exactly, but has memorized a series of phrases. Oh yeah, I mean, and but when you're like a Canadian kid who's into comedy, Kids in the Hall is like as good the as it gets. All, but also like they just seem so cool. Like the opening, <laughs> I remember the opening credits of that. Yeah, show was them like. Being cool, <laughs> which is like, which is like, if you're a kid who's in a comedy, is like not something that's really even on the menu. And yeah. then you see, like, oh, these are like, you know, like kind of countercultural guys, like yeah. openly weird guys in like yeah. the late '80s. I don't say weirdo with any. No, yeah, no, but like people who, yeah, like were would Strange generally not birds. be accepted by the mainstream, doing like the weirdest shit ever, right. and they were fucking cool as hell. But and here, that, yeah. here we are now. I think about this all the time. I try not to freak out about it, but it's like we are in this absurd. It's your fantasy come true. It's my fantasy come true. It's certainly Judd's fantasy come true. That comedy has become. Like rock and roll, it's like oh, you you have that album, yeah, you have that. You're, it's interesting. You're aware of who that person is, yeah. You go to an award show and Kevin Hart is in the in the second row behind Jack Nicholson. It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> I think that was we it. won. It's been like that for a while. I mean, it has. Yeah, it's been like that for a long time. But that's I what think. freaks me out is that I think we might what we might be on the end of it or whatever. Like what happened in the '80s. But I'm like, when will good, funny, true things not be relevant? So I, I don't I don't worry about it. No, they'll just be on streaming services, right? <laughs> There's a lot of that. That's all of it. That's yeah. all it is. It'll be something yeah. on your watch. It just won't be in movie theaters. Yeah. 
Well, is that over? I worry about that. So, I, by the way, this isn't me talking to you. Movie no, star. Uh, we're no. just talking. No, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, I, as a guy, I mean, it, two it, guys talking. Yeah, just two guys shooting the shit <laughs> in a weird little room. <laughs> Top of a comic book yeah, store. I house. used to come buy comic books at this store all the time. I'm very familiar. With Is that right? Yeah, I, yeah. It, we it, were actually just talking about the time we saw Kanye West at this at this really? store. Yeah, I, I run into Jeff Garland here all the time. Oh, really? And then we Stamps.com. and then we engage in the loudest, huskiest <laughs> voice conversation of all time that people <laughs> and people assume we're shooting an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, I don't know. I think movie. I look back at our movies, movies we've made that came out in theaters, and I think now today it'd be hard to get those movies in theaters. Like simpler concept movies, is that what you mean? Yeah, like I question if like Super Bad would like get a big theatrical release right today. Like, yeah, or would it be more like The Edge of Seventeen or something like that? <laughs> like, would it be like, oh, it's about eighteen year olds? Like, it's an R rated movie? Like, well, in, you a, know, in um, a comic book shop, oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah. So that—that's what I think about again. Like, just our comedy is going to be in theaters. That's I. That—that's my as far as my thoughts go. As I look back at our own movies, and I think like hey, it'd be hard to get those that in a the theater. Well, right? look at the interview. Right, that yeah. was a movie that exploded on demand. You guys made an <laughs> call by, by accident, <laughs> <laughs> but I paid. Yeah, it did. I well paid twenty dollars. I think it's the highest. I think it's one of the highest grossing on demand. Yeah, movie. but it—it it kind of. I like, know that had its own thing going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it is in no way. A Analogous to anything else that I that I think will ever happen. Ever. Right. So it's kind of like uh, it's a tough example because it, you know, it's not that it had so many things around surrounding it that like right. You know, I to point at that and be like, that did really well on right. on demand. It's hard to say because it had a full like theatrical promotion behind it. True. Up until the last minute, and it also was like one of the biggest news stories in the world for right. like two weeks, right? Which also, you know, probably bolstered for its sure. uh, it, people's desire to see it at least. Which is in so, the way that seasons of TV drop. It seems yeah. kind of preposterous to let's do an episode of Black Mirror right now. Are people, yeah. just streaming movies on their huge projections in their houses? Like it just feels like, yeah, exactly. That might be where we're going. Which yeah. I would say is a shame. I don't know if you're familiar with old Joseph Campbell. Are you? Yeah, I am, sure. I love Joey Camps, and he talks about how going to the movies is like going to church. It's a cathedral. Well, I do think it'll keep happening, and I do think like comedies will keep coming out in theaters. I yeah. just think it'll be harder and harder. I almost think it'll be good in a way, because I think it'll force people to be more creative. I think the types of movies that are doing well theatrically that are comedies are the ones that are more original and that are mm. bigger swings and, and the exact opposite of that. But those two are working yeah. like, like right down the middle line drives that just have that magical mixture of cast and concept. That's just so simple that it couldn't miss and things that are like huge swings that, could be disastrous. Would sausage are, party is a big swing, isn't it? Yeah, huge. Yeah, and huge that, swing. And, and I think that worked. I think something like Deadpool was like a, a, a huge a, a big swing, you know. And and those both were huge. Yeah, right? and both those both were really big. And then things again. I haven't seen it. I can't speak to how good it is. But something like Central Intelligence, which seems a little bit more maybe down the middle. Right. It's like right. What if these guys were spies? And it's like <laughs> PG thirteen, and that also does very well, you know. Uh-huh. And then it's things. 
you know, that, again, looked funny, like this Office Christmas Party. Again, a movie I've not seen, but yeah. I watched the commercials. I like, that looks funny. The cast right. is funny. It has a lot of people I think are funny. And I think it probably didn't do as well as those people had hoped because it wasn't like either one of those it's things. It's like the marvelization yeah. of things. When you, That's what I was saying. Like, we're in a comic yeah. book store. And I, I'm guilty of really enjoying a good Captain America picture. Oh, me too, yeah. And I like it. And I get that we want more of a spectacle. This is the IMAX 3D kind Yeah, of and thing. I think – but I think it's – again, I think it will push – what it's doing right now to people – to me personally is forcing me as we are sitting down to write our next comedy movies. It's forcing us to really – push ourselves to justify its existence not only as a movie but as a movie that we want to be in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. And that's two different criteria. Whereas when we first started making movies, we only had one – and not every movie we're making has both those criteria, honestly. And we have ideas that we're completely comfortable just being like, we'll put that on Netflix. And it's not a movie that is just – We'll take this well. It's not a – Yeah, it's not a movie that needs to be in a movie theater. But but me and Evan like having movies in theaters. We agree with – Mr. Joseph Campbell, <laughs> it's a wonderful experience. And, uh, and, and, I said uh, my own pretentious know, thing. Exactly. And so uh, we, you know, so, but as we are approaching our, our new movies that we're writing, the that's a major conversation is like, what makes this a movie that you have to see? We think you have to see. Well, remember Borat, yeah. Bruno, those movies where you're like, holy, I know yeah. you wrote for Ali G, uh-huh. so you probably uh, know these guys, but it's like, Oh, that's a spectacle. It's like a must-see. I don't want to be left yeah. out. and because at the time People it was so new. About also, it. it was such an original thing, you know. Right. Um, exactly. And I think there's some things where just in order to be part of the cultural conversation, you want to go see the thing so you have – can then, ju- talk to people yeah. at your work and exactly. shit like that. It's like being so, behind on a Netflix. So when everyone's joking about fucking the thing in Deadpool, you, right. you're not the asshole who doesn't, who never, who didn't see it. Which right. I was because I didn't see it till way after it came out. Is that true? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Fuck, I don't get into this Deadpool shit. <laughs> well, there is something on our side. Uh, I'm just talking about comedy as, yeah. as our side. Being that you can have a 3D uh, shield flying at you. Mm-hmm. But you also – like things are so much funnier with the audience there. That's yes. a real – I had Larry Charles on this podcast and we he said his hardest laugh – it's a question I like to ask at the time they laughed really hard – was watching Borat. In the theaters with the, with the dicks blurred <laughs> yeah, out. That's funny. And I was like, that's his own movie. His own movie. And I agreed. I was like, that's one of my hardest laughs. And I remember. Yeah turning behind me to just look it, it turned like a like a not that cool rowdy crowd into like madness yeah. well honestly it's the only way i know how to write a movie is considering what it's doing to a theater full of people like Isn't that funny? that's how that's, that's like how me and evan talk about it is like we talk about the audience a lot and how it's going to make them feel and how we want them to be feeling and what they expect to happen versus what we make happen yeah. and how we want them to be on edge and how we want them to be uncomfortable and how and how we want it to you know just explode in this moment and right. and and I think like that's something that yeah I I have a hard time wrapping my head around again for a movie that's goal is to just like destroy um, or to really. You know, I think horror movies, I love horror movies Mm. and like suspense movies. And I think that is a similar thing as comedy in that it's really like playing the audience. Are you watching the OA by any chance? No, I haven't watched it. It's very tense in that good way. Oh, and so is your boy Franco's uh, 1122. I haven't watched that either. But Very very good in that tense way. Yeah, I love tense. It's best uh, when it's tense. But like 
some of my favorite movies this year were Green Room, which was very tense. Yeah, and, Green Room uh, was great. Ten Cloverfield Lane, I thought was great. His hand. And, oh, it's so fucked up. <laughs> and uh, I thought um, the uh, there was another really Ten Cloverfield one. Lane was also great. You so you like misery. You like yeah thriller. But to me, it is it becomes comedic. It uh, is funny. You know, it is misery's funny. funny. Yeah, and and I think. The, well, just, I've talked to, I mean, I, you know, I, those filmmakers are very, again, they, uh, you know, uh, Don't Breathe was one of my favorite movies of it. the whole year. I loved that movie. Don't Breathe? I, that was um, just a straight horror movie, though, right? It's more, no, I don't wanna, it's, it's not just a straight horror okay, movie. Okay, I'm going to write it down. It's not at all. Then. It's much more in the world of A Green Room and Tin Cloverfield. Really? Say, yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to watch it. And, you know, I think those filmmakers talk a lot about the audience. And I remember, like, one of the things I've... You know, I remember when I first started doing stand-up, which I don't do anymore, but I remember one of the comedians giving me advice, which I often could use. And uh, I remember he said, stand-up comedy isn't a monologue, it's a dialogue. Yeah. It's not just you talking, it's you listening to the audience and responding, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think movies... Can't literally do that, but need to present the illusion that that's happening. Right. They need to... It needs to feel as though there's a direct interplay between the theater and what's happening on the screen. Which is actually why Um, it's a little bit different. The timing is different. Yeah. If you took the laughs out of a stand-up act, he'd be pausing too long. Yeah, it'd be weird. Yeah. There's there's film comedy time. And we actually used to, like, cut more to laughs. And there are some times where we have to, like, just a tiny bit, but, like, just to clear out air. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it, uh, we try not to too much, honestly. um, What's funny, Kumail, you know Kumail, right? I do, yeah. He's just, he's making The Big Sick, which Mm -hmm. is a movie that I'm very excited about. And they would go to uh, screenings and they'd be like, they're laughing during the best line. Yeah, exactly. And you'd have to, like, cut to some random line. But if you watch that movie alone, you're like, why is there just No, and we stopped doing that. Like, I'd rather, you know, we start, and it's great. And again, it's not like, (laughs) this only happens with our movies that are actually very funny. And it's great that more recently, though, in, 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 in the best case scenario, something we've been hearing is, like, I couldn't hear a lot of the lines because of the laughter. And I'd rather hear that than... I watched it at home, and there were these really weird long pauses, and the timing was bizarre. You know, um, and people so, are—they get a relationship yeah, with it. Exactly, I don't want to butter yeah. your bread too hard, but the, <clears throat> the night before is one of our Christmas movies now. Oh, that's so nice! And Thank we've you. watched it. Valerie and I have watched it many times, <clears throat> and it's excellent. And and you pick up people have different relationships with movies. Yeah, for sure. Than we used to. Yeah. Now you own them. Yes. There's a season for them. Uh-huh, In this exactly. case, it's a, a holiday movie. And you watch it and you see it and you're like, I didn't even notice that the first time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's super fun. Yeah, I think that, like, it's fun. I think, like, I remember we did it, like, even on 40 Old Virgin, I remember, like, a screening where we did that. And then we watched it in the editing room after. And we were just like, it's weird. Like, <laughs> what happened to this movie? Like, and then we fixed it. You it know? got ruined but, waiting for laughs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, yeah. like, we were so enamored with the laughs that yeah. we were like, oh, clear out room there. Clear out room there. Right. Oh, they're still laughing. Clear right. out room. Clear out room. And then, then you got a lot of room. <laughs> <laughs> Too much room. Too much room. Too much room. <laughs> Too much room. But that, that's something that still actually freaks me out when I sometimes give other stand-ups advice. And the advice is, when would you laugh? Yeah. Isn't that just the scariest? It's the most on point. It you know what good, I mean? Yeah. It's like, when would you laugh? Yeah. 
Show me your act. Yeah. You're in the audience. Yeah. When do you laugh? Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's exactly how it's we... It's so scary, yeah, And that's what it we think of so is real. if we were in the theater, how would we be feeling? Right. How do we want to be feeling? We want to laugh? Do we want to feel suspense? Do we right. want to be grossed out? Do we want Did to... you see Tarantino's... Uh, him and Fiona Apple did an episode of Iconoclasts. No, he, it's a great series. I think you would yes, love it. But I've seen uh, him speak. You've seen, you've seen Tarantino speak. <laughs> I've seen him speak. Maybe he made this point. Yeah. He, he's kind of talking about the old Abbott and Costello Frankenstein movies. Yeah, and he was like, "I've just never seen a movie that could do everything." Yeah, because he's like, "I'm scared when it wants me to be scared, yeah. and then I'm laughing, 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 really, really, yeah. really hard." Um, yeah, I remember when, and and that's actually something that we've been trying to do more of, like. I think This is the End was probably like the first experiment in it. I remember we did a friends and family screening and I think it was Matsukas or someone saying like, like you guys are like really underestimating your ability to scare people in this, mm. with this movie. Like <laughs> he's like, I think you just like, it's funny, but he's like, there's parts where it doesn't have to be this is, this funny. Is you could just scare the shit out of people. Yeah. Yeah. And we start to get into that. And then I want to see the it, horror it, cut. It, yeah. There was. <laughs> But, but then we start to realize that even for brief moments, we could build up the tension more. And then when it became – when a joke happened, people laughed that much harder yeah. if we just held off on a I joke. I was scared for, of Danny McBride. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't like his, his You face. don't like it. He has a secret. His face says <laughs> yeah. I have a secret. He's a little scary. <laughs> But uh, no, it was like it was, uh, it, and then when we started doing, you know, more dramatic, uh, you know, preacher, uh, you know, it was, yeah, you know, we, we could commit fully to kind of. And was that fun? Disregarding jokes, yeah. Are you going to make the full dramatic turn? I hate to interview like this is no, Entertainment uh, Weekly. I don't think I'm uh, curious. Yeah, if you've done it. Yeah. I don't, Take This Waltz was very touching. It was beautiful. It was, but I think – and as an actor, it's fun. But I think as like a director, writer, it's more – You're still in – I think it's more genre. Like I don't think humor has to be the thing that we're always going for at all times. But yeah. I think some real reaction, you know – right. Be it terror or suspense or, right. um, you know, you're going for uh, some sort of roller coaster feel. Yeah, exactly. Not a subtle. No, not <laughs> cafe in Paris. I think like I mean, but that's I think, and that's these are the conversations we're talking about of like why it's in a movie theater. Like why go to a room full of 300 people to right. watch a cafe in Paris? Right. If you're in a movie theater, you can get if that. You're paying money. Right. If you actually are going to get out of the house and go. Well, sausage party it, was that thing. Yeah. They go ha- the last scene. You have to see you have it to with see people. It. Yeah, and so I think that that those are the reasons that again for the type of movies me and Evan are talking about making now, it's like, um, you know, how why is it the type of thing that when you walk out of that theater, you're like, wow, mm. thank God I paid for that, and now I'm going to tell everyone I know to pay for that because right. like it was like an exhilarating experience. Right. You know, it's not something that would have just happened at home. Right, um, and. Yeah, and I think that it wasn't just as funny as my friend Steve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, nothing against Steve; he's probably amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you're aware because I grew up uh, evangelical Christian. So of when course. I saw, you say, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw this is the end, I was like, "How did these non-evangelical Christians <laughs> nail?" My concerns. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. And the, the dicks, I know people have probably talked about the dicks on the demons quite a bit. But also, it was so viscerally scary to me. And then also the comedians sitting around going like, 
we make people's lives better. That felt <laughs> very justification. That yeah. felt very real to me. Yeah, though. We're good people. <laughs> Isn't there something? Do you ever catch yourself in bed, or you wake up at four in the morning and you're just kind of a little raw, a little vulnerable, and you're like, "No, man, I bring joy to people's lives." I, I know it's a little gauche. To no, talk about I don't. That. You don't. I am no. I was actually just thinking at the end, like literally, a girl, this a lovely woman, walked up to me today. Was like, "I'm a huge fan of your work," and I walked and like I was kind of in a shitty mood, and I like ten seconds later, I was like, "I'm still in an exact same shitty mood that oh, I was." Like, and I and I and I took note of the fact that it in no way made me happier in any way. So what? Why or, comedy? Why does comedy have its it is nice. You. I think um, it's not adoration. Yeah, uh, it is. It probably is in some capacity. Like I think I like. Uh, well, talk about maybe when you started doing stand up at bar mitzvahs and camp and stuff. Yeah, what I was, started doing. What was the urge? I, I was. I was a pudgy. I'm not saying you were pudgy, yeah, but I, I was. was uh, yeah. I was a soft 13 year old. Did when did you? How old were you when you started doing stand up comedy? Uh, I didn't start till I was 20. Yeah. But I was so young. It is, yeah, yeah, it's young. But I started doing like improv yeah. in sixth grade, seventh yeah. grade. Did your high school have an improv team? They did, yeah. yeah mine and, too. and my my college, I started one. I, I was there when it was started. I didn't yeah. really start. Oh, there you go. But like, so I, improv was a big thing for me. Yeah. And it really, the reason I said going back to doing things, yeah. doing things reduces my anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> doing this podcast Me too, yeah. reduces my anxiety. I agree. I was kind of like, uh, that I think is something that I for sure had is I, I was kind of like an anxiety, I had a lot of anxiety as, as a, a kid. kid. Yeah. I had a I bald think... spot on the side of my head because I was so, <laughs> I know. I didn't have that. I, had, I had a bald spot on the I, side of my I, head. I, I was you so were like Haley Joe Osmond in the sixth sense <laughs> level of anxiety. <laughs> you seeing dead people. I was having a hard time. No, yeah. but, it, and then, like because I didn't have anywhere to put it. Yeah. You, so what that's, did anxiety that's a very feel like similar for thing. you? Yeah, I was just. Uh, I think I was just very aware that like I needed to do something with my life, and like I, I feel like I felt that weight from a very young age. Of from like, where? From who? I have no idea because my parents. It probably like was a reaction to my parents who like never really had or when I was young anyway. Like didn't really have careers per se, and yeah. kind of like didn't have jobs that were high paying at Your all. Mom was a social worker. Well, when I was young, my mom was a cashier, and then <laughs> like at a at like a woodwork, like a department store. Okay, and my dad worked in the game room of a vocational college, like. <laughs> And so, don't like, sound like you don't want to tell me what they did. Yeah, exactly. So like, they're, good, they're literally, yes, no, no, those were <laughs> their jobs. Like, they had, wow, like, the, the most, room? like, regular, like, because yeah. they were, like, regular, like, unambitious people in but their sometimes... 20s jobs. And then, like, I remember when my mom, like, graduated from school and got her, like, degree in social work. And then my mom became a social worker and my dad started working uh, at nonprofits and stuff. So they always had very, like, uh, they were very like socially conscious and socially aware, but like I think maybe like I was concerned about money or something like that. Well, yeah, can or, I speak yeah. to that? I was yeah. also freaked out a little bit. I knew that there was like I'm getting that weird thing, yeah. Mike, Mike again. Uh, that there was a stress. Like I went to yeah. private school, and I remember very distinctly thinking, like, can we afford this yeah. school? I, mean, I grew up with a lot of rich kids, and that made me paranoid. Yeah, yeah but I was like, based out. on the arguments I'm definitely overhearing, yeah. I don't think we can afford yeah, these say, schools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I opted to go to public school because I was like, I can see the stress I was putting on the family, and I think that's where comedy yeah. started to come out. But my parents weren't stressed about it, which because it's so funny. I, 
talked to Judd about it. I'm picturing Ned Flanders' I know, like, dad. I've talked to, no, my dad's just like very like mellow and like yes. it, picture more like Rob Reiner. Like it's a, it's a little more like that. Like, um, like, and it's funny because like yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't like the dark version of it. My right. parents were they never talked about money. Like it wasn't a big it wasn't like a big stress on the family. Like right. we'd drive from Vancouver to LA and go to Disneyland. So like I felt like I got to go on vacations and right. shit. Like, right, right, right. You know, like it wasn't this stressful environment. It was almost like as I got older, I was like, Oh, I have less money than every single person I know. Oh, really? Yeah. But so it was more your social group that informed some ambition. For sure. A hundred maybe, maybe. Are you competitive? No, not at all. And that's the so other thing. Like I, I don't like We're, sports. I yeah. hate sports. Me too. Like, yeah, I, I don't like I think it's mean to punch someone else in the face, even uh, if yeah. you call it boxing. I really think it's <laughs> Don't uh, do that. No, I don't <laughs> I, yeah, I hate that. That's what, I played rugby. One of the best jokes, uh this comic Jamie Hutcher. Jimmy Hutchinson was a comic that uh, did stand up when I was young in Vancouver, and he had a joke that I applied almost every sport situation in life. And I, his joke was like, I wanted to be a boxer until I fought a guy who really wanted to be a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that to me was just like the blueprint for everything yes. ever. And it was like, I played rugby in high school until I started playing people who really wanted to play yes. rugby. And I was like, this is just fun to me. Right. And now it's not fun because right. these guys like really are I, into this. Yeah. I would win the ba- Like I'd shoot a, a layup and that would have been the winning point. And I wasn't aware yeah. that we were even close to the end. Of yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that was me, and then I was happy we could eat ice cream and, yeah. t- and talk again. Exactly, we could talk again, talk and hang out. <laughs> yeah, why are we doing this? Yeah, uh, so you're not competitive, but that's like me. I'm not competitive in that way. But there yeah. has to be. I think I just honestly something that goes. I'm going to uh, take this the distance. I liked. I liked the idea of like it's the lamest answer ever, and it's the thing that I come back. Like it's funny because I kind of worked backwards recently in my life from like just self analyzation of like what gets me the most stressed out in my work. Yeah, and I the answer I arrived at is when I felt like someone was ruining the thing we were doing, and I and my expression was going to be misrepresented somehow and that people were you not mean your creative expression. Yes, exactly. And that people were going to see the thing that was my, that was supposed to be me. And this has happened to me several times, yeah. many times. I think people would see the thing that was supposed to be my creative, you know, the, 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 the encapsulation of my sensibilities and what I think is interesting and what I think people should be thinking about and talking about and what I personally am passionate about. And when it started to seem like people were going to fuck with that, that was the thing that I would yeah. go a little crazy on. Yeah. And so I've realized that, which is very helpful. Um, and it ve- and and I, you know, and now that I know that that's just the thing to look out for, it actually it's happens less and shit. less. Someone fucking up your shit, and because that's the thing now that gets me so stressed, I think that's the thing that probably made me want to do it in the first place. Was I liked the idea of as lame as it sounds, like expressing myself, of like being able to. I don't think that's stand like- up on stage and. Tell jokes that made people laugh, but also made them understand my perspective on things. Well, have you taken uh, have you taken mushrooms? Yeah, like two hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to assume. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the most recent time I took uh, mushrooms, or it's a feeling I get every time I've yeah. taken mushrooms, is like, oh my god, it's such a 
something is so profoundly happening inside of you, and then you go like, "How do I express?" You're always trying this? to explain it to people. You're, yeah. to You're always trying to explain to people like, how you feel. And Valerie yeah. said to me, it "Was like we're all tripping yeah. all of the time." <laughs> obviously, we're not like tripping like mushrooms, yeah. but we're all having a trip. No, it's true, and we're going. And that's and I've made this point on the podcast before, so I'll put it to you. It's like that's why you paint a house. You go, when I look over there, I see this. And yeah. I go, yeah, it's it's white and there's green grass. And yeah. I, and it looks beautiful, kind of harrowing. Yeah. And that's that's one of the necessities of life yeah. is being heard, being seen. Yeah, and I think that is what drew me to it in the first place is I would see – I just always loved movies. And then I think that you like – I started doing sound when I was 13 basically and I started writing – trying to write movies when I was around that age. And I literally, I think I remember like seeing my parents just loved movies. I remember watching movies like Back to the Future. And, Isn't it fun you know, that movies and, can transcend the parent thing? Like, yeah. Things you could never enjoy together, but yeah. now you're watching and it's like everybody's together. Oh, no, they love, yeah. We always liked the same movies, me oh, and really? my parents. Yeah, like that was never like. See, I'm imposing my goyish. No, it's my true. Frigid like, no, like goy my family. mom's favorite movie <laughs> is Die Hard. Like, no way. Uh, and Total Recall is like her second favorite movie. No like, way. Yeah, like, and those were like the movies that I would watch growing up, and I loved them. Oh my and, god! And they also love like Woody Allen, so we'd watch a lot of like Woody I'd Allen watch movies. All of this and, like, in the basement, yeah, shamed. No, oh, yeah, they loved it, and it was like, if anything, like it was uncomfortable because like a lot of movies they liked had like. You know, sexual three, situation like watching boobs. like Hannah and her sisters or a three boobed <laughs> alien with your parents is awkward. Ah, but um, the middle one's the yeah, fake exactly. One. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just a flat chested woman. Um, but I think uh, I think I just like the idea of like. But I, I just got – I think from a young age, I was just like, oh, I get this. Like people are – this is what people think is interesting. People are like exploring these relationships and these ideas and like right. – and I understand, you know, these people, even though I didn't know who they were, I would remember like Billy Crystal, like watching a stand-up special of him in Russia. It was like one of his early – the first time he went to Russia. Right, right. <laughs> He'll probably be going back now. But uh, – <laughs> and I remember like it was so interesting because it was like informing you about a culture and it was like this weird like divide where they were talking like – it was like it kind of was like a cultural commentary, and it was funny. And I was incredibly young when I was watching this, but I yeah. remember that kind of making an impression on me. And so, right. I think that's what I liked about it. And that's but it's what, yeah. ce- celebrating someone for saying, "Here's what it feels like to be me." Yeah, that's definitely. that's as good as it gets. There's yeah. a quote of yours on the Wikipedia page. It's like, "Once I found out you could be funny." For a living, that's all I wanted to do. Uh huh. Yeah. And I was like, it's also not just being funny, but when you get someone to laugh, yeah, they're making an involuntary noise. It's like, I get it. We call it getting it. Yeah. I get it. I see you. Yeah. And I've been there. Yeah. And I think now, as you know, we've I've started making more and more movies, and we've made a lot of people laugh over the years. It, it's starting to feel like, what else can we do? Can we make them scared? Can we make them sad? Can yeah. we make them? You know, uh, confused and then feel as though they've put uh, some uh, solved a puzzle. You know, right. um, what other things can we make people experience all in the pursuit of just trying to get across the the things that we think are interesting? I think that's what we've gotten better and better at over the years is taking, you know, the ideas – I think we did it very involuntarily well when we were younger and then you go through a phase where you're kind of – it's like the second album syndrome where you're, you're kind of like you're trying yeah. to understand what you did and now 
you know, that I'm just old, I think yeah. I understand more like what you need to do, which is like, what what is the point that I'm trying to get across? Yeah. Like what perspective that I have? What is what can I boil it down to? What can you boil it down to? It's different with every with, it's different with the different with different movies, I yeah, guess. Sure. Um um, and it's. I remember, you know, Mike Birbiglia. Yeah, that's some, something he would say. It was very nice, practical writing advice. He was like, "Write the point of the episode." Yeah, and if everything that happens isn't serving that point in some way, even if it's tonally, like, yeah. it could just be. And then he goes to the store and gets a pack of cigarettes. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily, but it's it's lonely it's or whatever. Informing, yeah, it's, it's informing yeah. it in an indirect way. Yeah, but I would write something like. Uh, Pete is feeling unseen by his parents, uh, yeah. or what, and, and really wants to tell the truth, or whatever. And I'd put that on a on a whiteboard or whatever, and I'd always look at it. Yeah. Are there things that come up more than others? Is it like lighten up? You seem to not take yourself too seriously. You're not buying into your own hype. Yeah. What's the What's the big deal? Why are people so stressed? Uh, um, enjoy yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think. Well, isn't the point of Sausage Party we're all going to die, so live in the moment? And like, Yeah, like that was like yourself. a real – we had a lot of thoughts about religion. That was kind of – and this is the end as well. Religion's a thing we talk about a lot and think about a lot and <laughs> um, the reasons for it, why people believe it, the, the good parts of it, the bad parts of it, you know, the – the evolution of it, the perversion yeah. of it, you know, yeah. um, and I think that that to us, um, and they both have different, you know, this is the end I think was more of a meditation of like, what does it mean to be a good person basically? Like yeah. if you're subscribing to like the Christian ideals of like, <laughs> if you're good, you go to heaven and if you're bad, you go to hell, then like, what is that? Like <laughs> who is good? Who is bad? What does it mean to be good? You know, um, and then beyond that, it was just the 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 plot was just survival, you know, and right. that's like the joke of the movie. But right. we always talk about the story and the plot, and like the plot is just what's happening, and the story is like what it's actually about. You Isn't know, that interesting. Yeah, um, I kind of look at my life that way. Actually, exactly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really so. do. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to Seth right now, yeah. but there's something much deeper and richer that I'm after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think in that that's always like those two things are like the things that when I mean this is just how we think about it but like those two things are the things that need to be like gloriously married in order for a movie to function the, the things like, the events that are taking place and and the emotions that you're exploring and the overall story that you're trying to tell from like a character and emotional standpoint basically right. and the, the point the thing you're trying to say basically you right. know um, and like those two things should be like it, it it was a good quote about writing I read once where it's like the thing that seems the least important at the beginning of the movie is the most important at the end of the movie. And the thing that seems <laughs> the most important at the beginning of the movie is the least important at the end oh, of the movie. Oh, interesting. And there's kind of this thing that happens. Like and like super bads, I think, you know, like you know, it seems like it's all about buying alcohol for a party. Right. But that is actually like has nothing to do with anything. That's like, the plot. That's the plot. But the yeah. story is these guys are going to different schools and they can't tell each other that they right. are going to miss each other. Right. And like if you watch the first few minutes of that movie, you it would be hard to identify that that's even happening probably. You right. Know? The but, most important thing at the beginning is yes, getting alcohol. Exactly. And, and at the end it wasn't about And there's about this the little weird thing that is happening. But slowly right. that little weird thing becomes <laughs> everything and the plot becomes – Great. Now we have to upload minutes. this to Netflix for yeah. the master class. Because <laughs> yeah. that was some good shit. That's but, great. But yeah, that's – and that's how we are always trying to think about it now. And yeah. like once – 
you know, we've gotten better at articulating it to ourselves in those ways, it's it gets easier to apply to to the things we're writing. Yeah. yeah. What is a, a good person? I'm I'm here with you. I'm not putting yeah. you on the spot. No, I don't know. I, um, we get a lot of love your neighbor as yourself sort of stuff. We don't fuck other people. Again, going back yeah, to I, mean, I think in general, this. like, it's, 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 it, yeah, like, don't, like, it, it's, it's easy to make people's lives miserable. <laughs> like, it and, and it sucks out there. And it's easy to make it shittier for people. It's so and easy. And so, like, I would start by not making things shittier for people. That's, right. like, a good starting point. Which, by point. the way, there yeah. are little micro decisions that people make. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed how? I mean, it's a thing in a movie we're starting to write right now, which is all about, you know, one of the big themes of the movie is, like, by doing nothing, are you just making people's lives shittier? Like, is is inaction the same as negative action, so you know? Funny. That's crazy. Um, and, I was just thinking about that because yeah. I'm watching The 13th on uh, Netflix. Yeah. I'm watching these evil politicians, uh, you know, I'm using that yeah. term. <laughs> it's a good do, term. Do yeah. shitty things, yeah. right? Do shitty things against oppressed uh, communities, and it was really breaking my heart. Then I was like... Okay, so I'm looking at them, and in This is the End, the demons get those guys yeah. because they're fucking up mandatory minimums and, uh-huh. and this and this and this and three strikes and you're out and blah, blah, blah. But I'm at home and I'm like, I was alive when that was happening. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. I didn't, I didn't pick <laughs> yeah. up the phone. Am no. I, am I, can I, can you call, it's like a plausible deniability. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, I didn't have the phone Yeah, exactly. Number. And I would, yeah, and I think I would, I mean, as we are exploring this movie that we're starting to write, yeah. like, I think the argument we're going to make probably is, is like, no, yeah. <laughs> that, that you are, by doing nothing, you are probably complicit in doing, if you really Go right. if you if you follow that path of nothingness, it probably leads to like some directly terrible it's the same thing. shit. And I think everyone does bad shit. Like you know, and it's unavoidable. And I think that's also why you should probably try to do something good specifically because you know b- merely by wearing the shoes I'm wearing and the clothes I'm wearing and driving the car I'm driving, yeah. I'm probably contributing what ideologies are to you a thousand terrible right. things. You know, they sell our DVDs at every store that probably doesn't have ideologies that I align right. with. We're filming special promotional things for those DVDs right. for those various stores, right. you know? Right. Um, so I, I think I, so that, that, so that's also happening. Yeah. So I think, you know, <laughs> when I say like the first way, I think probably to not be a dick is just not going around and being a dick to people. That's step then, one. That's step one. Maybe that's where probably. the game starts. That's where though. the game starts. <laughs> it's just like try not to be a neutral. dick to people. Yeah. Start that, and yeah. that's like yeah. inking you towards uh, neutral, probably. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like I'm thinking what uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, not seen it. <laughs> was talking about uh, when it's like he says only love can cast out hate. Yeah, it's not neutrality casting. No, out No, it's hate. love. Yeah, yeah it's like it's not, not only a difference can it, cast out hate. Because <laughs> if you're just being a vacuum, yeah. you really are just a space where hate can seep. No, it's true. Even yeah. if it's not, I was thinking about like if you're in the stock market, are, yeah. uh, how ethical is your portfolio? I know that's a high yeah, no, problem. it's true, hundred percent. But like, like uh, are you supporting this company that made the bullets that shot this guy? Yeah. And you're like, fuck my face. Dude. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. And then so yeah, I mean that's why again, that it gets so complicated that 
you know, the way I justify it in my life is I have like other charitable things that I do. And I try to think like yeah. everyone, you know, if you're like living in Western civilization, odds are you're being complicit in some things right. that you personally would not be that psyched about, right, right, right. you know. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't actively try to do things that that support ideas that you are really psyched about. It's, you over, know? it's um, overwhelming. We talk yeah. about this all the time on the podcast where it's the starfish thing. You pick up one starfish and throw it in the ocean. You save that starfish. Like yeah. you don't get overwhelmed yeah. by the millions of starfish mm-hmm. that are dying. Like you're talking about your shoes. That's often an example. I, I'm wearing fucking Nikes. Yep. And we filled up our ga- our cars with gas yeah. and, and we ate fucking some humans. I ate humans. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so that's but, not good. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm we can't yeah. do one good thing. No. I, was, I was at hilarity for charity this year. Oh, nice. I almost, I had a very funny <laughs> moment where you had to vamp. I did. I was vamping. You should have got up, man. You I thought me. about it, but <laughs> I had two thoughts. One, one, he won't know who I am Two, What if I bomb? Yo, that's that <laughs> I get that. I, I, I totally support that. <laughs> Can you imagine if that I stood up and went, Seth, do you want me to just stand up? And you're like, no. No. Who sir. are you? <laughs> that it was amazing. a great show. Thanks. It turned out well. The My friend vamping got, aside. Uh, no, the vamping was not what I took yeah. from it. The panic that I felt yeah, exactly. is yeah. what I took from it. But uh, we're talking about being a good person and being actively a good person, trying to create love instead of just nothingness. You know, and on that being said, like I've found a way to be charitable in a way that's incredibly organic to things that I enjoy but doing anyway. I, I, and I think that that it, like people can do that. You know, I think like you, do. you don't have to be unhappy in being charitable. <laughs> like if you just like are not into something, you shouldn't that's like right. force yourself. You if if like the idea of dogs dying just like cripples you, don't volunteer at a shelter. Like right. find something else. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, I think. You know, you don't have to get up yeah. at five a.m. to serve. You can serve. You can find. You in can the use the thing you already enjoy yeah. doing, and right. and 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 probably find a way to apply that. Well, that's uh, why I, charitably. I know helping Alzheimer's directly with hilarity for charity is wonderful, but I also have to think you are. We're talking about how easy it is to fuck up somebody's day. Yeah, you could go up. You can walk down a busy street and go up to any person you see. Yeah. You don't know them. Yeah. And you're not a famous person. Yes. And if you just go, coward. Yeah. It would fuck up their whole day. (laughs) (laughs) So there you are. Yeah. When I think of you, I think of 15 funny things. And this is is me. There's a lot of people. I'm not trying to green light your vanity. I'm trying to invite you You into a space (laughs) where you're like, no, I'm sure – I know people that didn't kill themselves because they watched Ace Ventura. Yeah. You know what I mean? There have to be people that are like, hey, this, this, or this, and then I watch this. Yeah, and I've heard that, and it actually is very nice, and it's very rewarding, and and, yeah. and I can recall some of the specific instances um, of people saying that. Um but I got to say, I recall much more the instances of people <laughs> who have families with Alzheimer's who have come up to me and my wife saying that they've benefited in some way from yeah. our charitable work. Like, that, oh, you up-leveled. You up-leveled. No, and it's movies. true. And yeah, it really yeah. is. Uh, like, and again, I think, I think actually maybe that 
and it's nice in a way because it puts less pressure on my movies in some ways. <laughs> like I can get I can get people coming up to me telling me they like me, and it and it does, and it's for reasons that are actually legitimate in, in the or more maybe arguably more legitimate than I just than saying. just making them laugh in an instance. You because know that's I mean? very subjective, but helping people with an illness is kind of objectively a good thing. Yes, As in, I could yes. say I hated Sausage Party. Yes. Like I guess that's not for you. No, exactly. Like, nobody's going to say I hated what you. Did no, for that like people. we give out grants that like <laughs> you know give care like you know that provide in home care to people. So like I right. know that's like an intent, like a, a, a an objectively good thing that helps people. Sure. So that. That again, that, so that's, that 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 puts less pressure on me making my movies crowd, <laughs> <laughs> which is we fantastic. Are, we'll already re- we'll remember you well, exactly. No matter what happens. <laughs> so a good person helps other people. That's that a good start. That's they probably, yeah, that's they don't fuck up other people. They don't fuck up other people. When uh, I took mushrooms, I, I had this thing. I love it. It's a, it's a circle of wood, and inside is it's two pieces of glass, and yeah. inside is water and sand. And cool. When you, when you leave it, it makes a beautiful mountainscape. It nice. looks like a Bob Ross. Yeah, the coolest I thing love it. Valerie and I affectionately call this thing the Bible because we're like, this has all the <laughs> secrets of the universe. Because <laughs> when you flip it over, especially if you're tripping or if you're high or whatever, yeah. you're looking at it and you're just like, just fall. Don't fuck up other people's yeah. – you see that. And you also see decay becoming something beautiful and then starting over yeah. and starting over. Well, starting mushrooms over. did make me very aware of like uh, – yeah, of like energy from a very young age as far as like fucking people's shit up. Like yeah. um how old were you when you started doing mushrooms? Did you do them uh, from a young age? No, uh, I was 29. Yeah, we were <laughs> – me and my friends were like 13, 14, 15 doing really? like a shitload of mushrooms. No yeah. way. Like on a regular basis. Really? Yeah. I remember I did mushrooms the day I got my wisdom teeth out. Oh, my God. When I was God. like 14. And I remember I couldn't chew, so I ground them up in a coffee grinder and pour, ah! and poured them in my mouth. <laughs> Um, you but, couldn't be talking to a more captive audience. Yeah. I want to know everything. And, but from that, I remember. What happened? Was remember, it good? Oh, just yeah, it was. It was fantastic. Yeah, I tripped. I got dry sockets because we smoked a very. I smoked a lot of weed, and and you shouldn't do that when you just have your wisdom teeth out. See, but, this uh, is so interesting to me because yeah. I can be a bit of a square where I'm like, you shouldn't do. Ramdas has this great quote where he's like, "You have to be somebody before you can be nobody." Yeah. And mushrooms can offer a certain type of ego death. You're like, "I'm not Seth. I'm just energy." Yeah, and you were barely Seth. You were a 13 we were kids, year old yeah. boy. I look back at it. I was like, if I saw kids our age as fucked up as we were, I'd be like, "What are you guys doing? <laughs> like, this is insane." But, but he, it made us. I remember, like, you'd be very aware of like someone ruining other people's fucking vibes, and yeah. like you'd be in a room and someone would come in with a bad vibe, and it would like. Like, yeah. make everyone want to leave the room. And yeah. I, like, and, and and then you, like, found the people you really like doing mushrooms yes. with. Because you're like, oh, they have all have, like, a very positive, good energy. That's a very ruin anyone's shit. Yeah. That's a very mushroom thing for me is if I took it with somebody or in a group, you'd go, I don't know about Dan. No, not yet. <laughs> you don't want that. I, yeah, well, I've, I've done mushrooms with the wrong people. Me too. Dozens of times. <laughs> like, I've had, I remember in high school, like, a few times I just did mushrooms and, like, went to a party. And, like, I was just like, this is, like, a terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah talk about not being seen or heard yeah. is you have to go up to everyone and be like, I'm yeah. on mushrooms. Have you taken mushrooms? Yeah, I'm I, on mushrooms. I, I was just with one of my friends from uh, that I grew up with over New Year's. And we were talking about years ago. Maybe I was uh, maybe 15, 14 or 15. Um 
we were at a New Year's party, and it, <laughs> New Year's had just happened, and I walked into a room, and there's tons of people with uh, chocolate mushrooms, and they were like, you want some? I was like, oh, yeah, and I ate a bunch of them. And then, like, five minutes later, my friend came up to me. He's like, yo, uh, and he was my ride. He's like, I'm, I'm going home. Uh, if you want to come, you got to come with me now. And I was like, fuck. And I just went home, and I slept at his house, and he went to sleep instantly. <laughs> and then I was awake for, like, seven hours just, like, wandering around his house by myself, having, like, the most intense mushroom trip I've ever had in my entire really? life. Really? Yeah. Can I ask you something? Do you have full-on channel-changing somewhere else hallucinations, or is it just that coffee pot looks weird? No, I've never had any, like, like I, a bunch of my friends have done, like, ayahuasca, which sounds like sure. it, like, is, like, uh teleportational yeah. <laughs> it's uh, teleportational. hallucinogenic abilities yeah. uh no i've had mushroom things I yeah, hear about, like, I, like I've, I've hallucinated intensely i remember like probably the most intense one i had i remember is like everyone's like <laughs> literally like like it was like people it was like people's facial features were just completely floating around their faces wow um <laughs> Like, like into Picasso-ish way yeah. and to the point where like, it's all I was talking about for like four. I was just like, I, I, I you guys are not seeing this. Really, uh, but, uh, I yeah, see some of that, uh, like the ancestors. Last time yeah. we took them, I said to Val, I go, the ancestors are in this lamp because when I looked at it, I would start to see like Egyptian, like beautiful, uh, glorious black men with gold hats. And I was like, ah, those are our ancestors. <laughs> They're here. They can yep. see us. They can get us. Mushrooms are crazy, though. I haven't done them in a, a little while, but they're great. Years <laughs> and years? Uh, no, probably more recently than years. But, yeah. Uh, maybe like a year ago, something like that. I think it's yeah. some, there's something about having a, an experience that you can't explain. Yes. And do you remember any epiphanies you had? I Like recently, we were burning a, a, a piece of wood, not safe. <laughs> And I was holding it, and I said to Val, and this made sense, and it makes sense to me now. And that's what I like about mushrooms is you can have an epiphany that yeah. seems to make sense later. Yeah. As I go to Valerie, I go, it's all one thing thinging itself. That's <laughs> true, man. But it is. <laughs> it's beautiful. Meaning, like, the wood is becoming the smoke, yeah. is becoming the air, yeah. is me. And I was like, those things can make a certain degree of intellectual sense now. Yeah. But when you're on mushrooms – Yeah. You are that thing. Yes. You're just like, I don't get it. I am it. Does that yeah, make sense? You're it like, totally does. Like, And all that stuff about like loving your neighbor and yeah. being caring and telling the truth yeah, is I, a big one. I was like, why would I lie yeah. about what's in me? <laughs> I think it probably maybe, and I, I say this with no scientific backing whatsoever, maybe raises people's emotional intelligence. I think it absolutely Because I think like – it's that's another thing is, as I get older is like – you start to realize how many people are just like not like I think I'm like a very sensitive person when it comes to like just in general what people are feeling in any given moment. An like an empathic person from yeah. Star Trek, like uh, <laughs> like that the nurse lady on Star Trek. Um, but I uh, get that if somebody's yeah. having a weird, time. if someone's uncomfortable, I feel like I zone in on it, and it's funny because I have very close friends who I'm with a lot who just like are could not be more oblivious to it, <laughs> and so um, this is why I, the holidays are so shitty. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, so, it's my discomfort, but it's also absorbing my brother's. Yeah, discomfort. you just and, and some people, and I'm always honestly like a little jealous of the people who just are like when, when like I oh, will leave a situation. I'm just like, oh, that was so awkward. That person was so unhappy, and the other people are just like, no, like were yeah. they? And I'm like, yes, they but are were. Those funny people. 
Yeah. Really? Sometimes, yeah. What, what kind of funny? Like pie face funny? No, there's like, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Like I know I know very funny people who just aren't quite yeah. like in tune. I mean, yeah, with like. It reminds uh, me. The, oh, go ahead. No. Of Shanling saying, Seinfeld saying to Shanling, Shanling was like, I'm 40, whatever. When am I going to be comfortable at a party? And Seinfeld says, the day you're comfortable at a party is the day you're not funny anymore. Yeah. It's a specific type of funny, though. Because here, here you are having no, like, like my example. my writing partner, Evan, like, no one is more comfortable at a party than. than really? He, yeah. And he's like one of the funniest. But maybe people. that's why it's a good partnership. Yeah, I think it probably we complement each other well. Well, it's like I again, like it, it's great because like sometimes there'll be a note that like I might find particularly uncomfortable to give to an actor, and that's why it's a great partnership. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'll go. I have no problem whatsoever. <laughs> like that. That's what it works well. Is like you know. Oh. <laughs> what, what have you learned about acting? I'm very interested in that. Uh, having just done some for the first time, yeah. were you trained? Uh, again, I don't want to sound like Entertainment uh, Weekly, but were I took you acting classes when I was a kid. Not really, though. Like you know, like a kid who takes some acting classes, right. like the same you would take, like a photography class, or right. like um, yeah. So uh, no, I wasn't like really trained. What, what does it boil down to? You, I, for, David Mamet has this great quote where he says, yeah. "Interesting actors are interesting people." So he's like, you can't just ask Al Pacino how his breakfast is and have him be like really boring. You know? I, I don't yeah. mean he's putting I, on a I, show. I 100% disagree with that. Is that true? I, 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 I've met actors who are able to portray a level of depth, intelligence, and complexity that they themselves do not have. No way. Yes. Em- empty vessels. Yeah. Yes. Uh, wow. A hundred percent. But you don't yeah. seem that way. You seem like you're like trying to It's relax. much sweatier for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it seemed when yeah. I watch you act, I'm like, this is a guy who figured out how to be natural. Yeah. Because that's what I think I'm good at when it comes to acting. But I look, I've worked with other actors where I'm just like... And I think it's the same with anything like, you know, I'm sure standups look at each other and they're just like, I don't do what you do. Like, this is like we're we're operating in different universes. And yes, both no, are, absolutely. And both are very valid universes, but they are different universes. Like I look at Melania and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a standup. I'm I, I feel that. Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> and, when, and there's actors that I look at and I'm like, I can keep working forever, but like. I do not have that skill. Like, right. And I can maybe at times make it look like I have that skill or right. I can maybe do things that, yeah, you know, not to say I don't think I could stretch more or try different things or really push myself, but like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do, I will never be able to do it like Daniel Day-Lewis does. Like I right. just look at that and I'm just like, oh, that's like a different thing. It's a different Like guy. it's a different level of – you know, but in all honesty, like I look at movies and I get it. Like, not to say I'll be able to make the best movies that are ever made, but I understand how directing it. works. I get it. The more I do it, especially the more I get it, writing as well. I feel right. like I look at, I can look at almost all the writing out there and not, again, not say I can reach the level of it, but at least I can understand. It doesn't There's, elude you. It doesn't completely <laughs> elude me how it's even possible. You know what I mean? And then sometimes I'll work with an actor and I'm like, I don't even get, like, there's no way I could do any, anything even like that. Like, it's yeah. just not even on the menu for me, you well, know? Not to say, again, I, not to say I couldn't push myself and I've done yeah. work I look at, I'm very proud of, but 
every once in a while, I'll just see someone do something. Like when I worked with Kate Winslet, that was a thing where I was just like, we do different things. Yeah. Like, like it's like but a don't different you think comedian, Trump's writer, actor, anything. I'm always just like, it's all under the umbrella of. I'm one of the funny ones. I'm a funny guy. Yeah, but uh, then you do get the thing where it's like all those people want to do is comedy. Like, yeah. to the, you know, all, you know, Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet, they're all just, oh, I'd love to make a comedy. I love, I've and, actually heard Pacino yeah, say that. They, they all it. say that, but I think it's not true. I think they just want to say it. Ah. <laughs> but, uh, but what is something you yeah. keep in your head when you're, when you're acting? Um, I'm, I'm just asking for selfish reasons. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I've had like, um, an evolution with acting. I really look at it. I think probably one of my strengths and weaknesses as an actor is I look at it as a filmmaker. So Mm. I look at the, I can't help but look at the big picture and how I am fitting into it. Yeah. Um, I can't help but kind of try to imagine the finished product and then how I wish that role would would happen in the finished product. You right, know right, what I right. Mean? But so you're trying to be a piece of the puzzle. I'm trying to be a piece. You're of the puzzle. You're not chewing, but that comes yeah. across. You're not um, chewing up scenery. Yeah. you're not like a busy actor. But I find that <laughs> even eating an apple and everything. And even this piece. is something that I've benefited from is I've worked with actors who don't look at it like that. But because of that, they're able to make their characters. Much more interesting (laughs) because they're not thinking of anything except this character and how would this person be? What else could this person do? What else would this – and and very much disregarding the big picture. Right. Flippantly at times to singularly serve what they think makes an interesting character. I've I've Um, watched – Which is very helpful. T.J. Miller, who's who's amazing. Yeah. We shot on film. I watched him to stay in a funny place. Yeah. Disregard – Everything. Yeah. And I say that if you were here, this isn't shitting on TJ. It's you're looking at someone who's so funny. Yeah. Who's going to be like, I'm going to keep the plate spinning even though you said yeah. cut. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to be yeah. a, a, a nut in the scene and I'm going to be a nut off the scene. Yeah. And then he's a very sweet, normal person. He really is. After cut. Yeah. Um, no, I've seen, again, and people, yeah, I mean, I get everyone has a different approach to it. And, but and if I'm a shitty actor and you're, you, this, you wrote this yeah. great scene and you love it. Yeah. And you cast me as this thing and on the day it's just stinking. Yeah. Like I, it just appears like I've never acted before. I know you'd probably recast me or whatever, but what would you do? to try and get that person into um, the moment? Uh, it depends on who you are. It's different for every person, honestly. What would, has anyone ever told you something that made you go, right? Uh, I remember Judd yelled out, remember what just happened? Yeah, well, Judd once <laughs> screamed boo at me from the other room. That probably was not um, <laughs> no the most, most productive direction no I've ever No way, seen. really? That's uh, hilarious. <laughs> Uh, what what have you done? I don't even remember. I was like eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no. Uh, well, maybe not all questions. One actually direction that Judd gave that I that we constantly still quote while we were filming the Forty Year Old Virgin was less semen, more emotion, which is kind of like just a, a go to for us. Semen. Less semen. It was we were improvising, and that was his direction for the improv was less semen, more emotion. That's- <laughs> And, so funny. And it was a great direction, honestly. And yeah. and it's something that we talk about a lot still, which is, guys, I think we should do a little less semen and a little more emotion. Uh. Um, but as an actor, you know what's interesting is, like, a lot of the direct – like, the more dramatic movies I've done, Take This Waltz, I guess, and the Steve Jobs movie. Yeah. 
Very heartbreaking. Very they, genuine. I, they, there's very they don't those directors don't give did not give a lot of direction. I like, have a bit about this where I go. I thought the no, director told you what to do. Yeah, no, they don't. Like uh, Danny, I thought they were like touch your sweater. I, can, more. I honestly can't remember one piece of direction Danny Boyle gave me other than like. May, again, it's like specific, maybe a little, a little. It's like it was that Turn kind of thing. Up. Maybe a little more. Maybe a little more. Turn it up. Or maybe a little like. Well, that's yeah. what Birbiglia told and me. That's kind of it. Like, do less. He's yeah, like always start at zero. Yeah, and then move up. Yeah, I remember Judd saying that also. When, like, I think before we started filming Knocked Up, he was rightfully concerned because I'd never starred in a movie or even acted very much at all, and I was about yeah. to star in the movie he was directing. And yeah. I remember him having that conversation with me, being like, "Just do like." Try to do nothing. Like, like, look. Try as much as possible. Just look like you're never performing. Anything. That's a mammoth thing. Too. And and it was really uh, good. But it, it's funny because in the Steve Jobs movie, I remember one of the only pieces is like, you know, I'm not doing like a full on Wozniak like impression, but there's some affectations that he has that I kind of adopt in the movie to right. some degree, right. you know. And we rehearsed for a little bit, and I was doing them, and then when we started filming, I kind of just dropped them because I my instinct was to just do as little as possible. Yeah. And I remember he was like, "Do it, like you were doing all that stuff, well, like Ted Danson, don't, don't not do it, <laughs> yeah, keep doing it." That's like, oh, okay, so okay, fun. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Acting can be embarrassing. That's Super what I embarrassing, think people yeah. don't. That's I shouldn't yeah. put other people into this. That's what I didn't know. Yeah. Walking down the street and having a crew film you yeah. is weird because yeah. you're like, this is how I walk? Yeah, it's and weird. I, I walk like a comedian too. There's like a weird weirdness to my Yeah, gift. and and some <laughs> – like that's why like I think Franco is – I was just with him this morning. Like he's one of my favorite actors to work with because he has like – he pushes me to be less conservative in my acting and more fearless in my acting yeah. in that like – he just – he shows not one iota of fear or holding back. And yeah. one he actually taught me one of the most valuable lessons that I still think when we're working is when we were filming Pineapple Express, um, between – we're shooting the scene where I'm like at his house buying weed. And between takes, I like chuckle to myself and he's like, what? And I'm like, I thought it would be funny if when I sniff it, I go, man, it smells like God's vagina. <laughs> but that's probably – not the type of joke that people will be okay with in any way, shape, or form. And he's like, yeah. And then the next take, he said it. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And, and I wasn't going to say it. Like, yeah. And then he said it, and it was hilarious, and we put it in the movie, and it's one of the biggest laughs in the yeah. entire movie. And I remember thinking, like, I wasn't going to say that joke. Yeah. And if he hadn't literally, like, just heard me chuckle and asked me what I was he's thinking. Yeah, because he, like, my instinct was to not do it for the exact same reason his instinct was like, oh, we have to fucking do this. I think everyone and, listening, though, thought yeah. he was going to go, like, you got to do it, man. Just do it. No, he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what joke of yours I think about, which I have to assume was Rift, is I hope your plane crashes. And wait, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if it was a thing. I kind of wanted to put it to you. It's in Knocked Up when you call her doctor. Oh, yeah. He's not available. I remember in the theater, you're about to hang up and then you come back to the phone and go, I hope your plane crashes. And the noise the theater made was laughing, but also like, what the you fuck? can't say that. Yeah. Really. I've talked to Jed about this too. Also in Knocked Up, they talk about how a girl can't get pregnant if you're on top, yeah. if she's on top. Yeah. And I was like, I remember, talk about making an audience feel a certain way. One of the ways you can make them feel is, yeah. you can't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People uh, are going to believe that yeah, or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that became then kind of our, like, 
that became like a very appealing thing to me and Evan is like when and Franco and the people we'd worked with. And when this is the end, it, that it kind of became like the doctrine was like, yeah, if it's our instinct that we should not. You should be doing it. We probably should. And if if it's our personal instinct that like, I don't even want to talk about that myself. Right. Then we should probably do it. You yeah, know, um, if it feels so like it's getting too real or you too don't have personal, to use it though. No, you don't have to use it. And that's, and that's where trust comes in. And like 100%, the only reason that, that these people will do this stuff for us is because they trust us. And cause we've, made more good things than yeah. shitty things and right. and you know it's like when i watch sausage party honestly i'm like still shocked we got all those people to do all that stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah. in my head i'm just like and I, and that's one one of the reasons i'm happy it turned out well was like we didn't betray that trust yeah. we got these people to Isn't do like the most disgusting things to really do things that like if it went wrong would like potentially be very damaging to them yeah. <laughs> something they yeah. maybe really would have to answer for yeah. for years and years to come and just the fact that we avoided that to me is like one of the things I'm happiest about is like, oh, they'll they'll maybe trust us again. Like, yeah. We can maybe get Edward Norton to do something else that's really stupid one day. That's right. Because we, we didn't blow it with that one. You and know? you keep you keep rolling forward with yeah. that goodwill. That's amazing. Well, we, I, I want to be sensitive to your time. and uh... I got another like uh, – I could say another like 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. No problem. We, do, we talk about the meaning of life. 15 Perfect. minutes. Perfect. Great. Should, should cover it. <laughs> yeah. But it can be a quick answer. You were raised. Uh, Jewish. I was. And let's just jump to now. What, what do you think now? I know you th- you're thinking about it clearly in, <laughs> in your work. I look contemplating. Uh, um, but uh, are we – there's a lot of ways to know. take it. The meaning yeah. of life, what are we doing here? What are we uh, doing higher here? Higher consciousness. I don't know. Maybe. Life after death. I don't know. Ghosts. Aliens. Maybe. You hear over. ghost stories that scare you. Chemtrails. Chemtrails. <laughs> we can bring uh, chemtrails. You didn't, you didn't see you them didn't, in the 70s. Yeah, where were the chemtrails? <laughs> There's been planes this whole time. But uh, um, <laughs> how about dead over? Do you think when you die, it's lights out? That really changes the way what we... What is it? Dead over. Is it over when we die? Uh, prob- maybe. I hope not. Yeah. I was just um, listening to a thing that I love around us. He was saying, like, you... What is real? Everything's relatively real. Yeah. You were dreaming and it was real. And then yeah. you woke up and you're and you're like, no, now this is real. Yeah. And he's like, no, you just woke up into another one. Yeah. It's all this very mushroomy. I, I remember uh, there's a Stephen Wright short film that's maybe the weirdest thing of all time about like a <laughs> Civil War soldier who like goes and lives in the woods after he's done. Um, <laughs> and in it, he talks about death a lot. And there's a joke, if you could call it that, where it's like – He's like, I already didn't exist for millions of years, and then I started existing, and so, and I won't exist again one day. So all my life is is kind of a brief interruption in my wonderful streak of non-existence. <laughs> um, that's so interesting. Yeah, which is a really interesting Well, that's what Dana Carvey well. said. He yeah. goes, where were you in the Renaissance? Yeah, exactly. And I think about that all the time. You were dead. That's my less yeah. semen, more More emotion, emotion yeah. But so I've also, already been dead, and it was maybe it wasn't that bad. But Alan Watts and the reincarnation people Yes. Say we don't come into this world, we come out of this world. There you go. So there is no other place. Yeah. And there's this, and there's only this, and when you go, you'll come back into this. That'd be great. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't like I, I think I mean it's not I I think the happiest I've been is when I don't put a lot of thought into where it all goes. Yeah. <laughs> and instead put I think the journey is and I think like the journey is what counts in every way, and it's something that I apply to almost every 
you know, like it's like I used to make movies and put so much on their release. Mm. Like once I realized it's so funny because when I started making movies, I put nothing on their release. I didn't even think about it. I look back at Superbad. I didn't even. I literally didn't like it. I didn't even know if it did well or not. Like it was less because I basketball. didn't even know. Yeah. And then once I started to be aware of it, I put so much on. How how is it going to do? Will you know? Will people like me or not? Will I look stupid? Will I have to answer for this in some terrible way? And I almost think the interview was the thing that like sh- like was so much the, the culmination of that. Like <laughs> yeah. never has there been more focus on how something turned out <laughs> yeah. than ever than anything I've worked on creatively. There's been few things that have had more focus on yeah. than that. Just yeah. from like a you know a news level. Yeah, and so. Um, that kind of was interesting because it was such a disaster how it all came out, but like, I had a lot of great times making that movie and I love working with James Franco and there was a lot of great, so I've started like when I, when I'm working to realize that like, this is, this should be the reward. This is enough. Like, like, um, and it's not a, yeah, enough is a strong word, but (laughs) it's, it's, I, I, you know. I have a hard time. I look at Leonardo DiCaprio or something. I'm like, wow, that guy like fucking sludged around in the tundra for fucking a year and a half eating moose asses to (laughs) to win an Oscar. Like, not to say he didn't enjoy that. Not to say the journey wasn't very rewarding for him. But like, I don't know if I have that in me. Right. (laughs) Like, I might have the more life is short. It's a fucking Oscar. Do I want to trudge around in the tundra eating moose right. assholes? I look and at so, Sandler yeah. building a basketball court on the set of every movie. Yeah, you're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that sounds pretty that's good. That's not that bad. <laughs> and so, but I also have realized that I am also happiest when I feel like I'm working on something that I think is really good, you know? Right. Um, and so I'm really happy when I, when I believe in what I'm working on and when in a moment-to-moment basis I'm engaged creatively and I feel like – I'm expressing myself and what my sensibilities are in like a moment to moment basis. And I think that's also something that you're not postponing your happiness. Exactly. That's something I've tried to put more emphasis on is like procedurally, like make this exciting. Don't, don't make this the, you know, the time where we're just collecting things. Then, then later is the time where we we look at it, make, make this an exciting, fun part of the process where we're really able to express ourselves in, in this and where we right. put the camera and how we line up the shots and in how we light it and in, you know, um, it, all that kind a of stuff. A simple fascination with what is happening. Yeah. With what's it's being present, man. It's it just is trying to be present. present. Yeah. But when we're too busy fixating on what could be, we're missing out on what is. Yeah. And you I think I mean? it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, and I think that also helps your work. You know, I think, a lot of great, you know, I was listening to a fucking Buster Keaton interview recently and he's like, yeah, we made up shit on the spot. Like, which, so funny. he's I, like, we like half the stuff we made up was on the spot. And he's like, yeah. we always left room in the day because we knew like not until we were there would. Yeah. And that again was a sign where it's like, oh, they were really like being present. Like, yeah. let's not just tick our shots off the list and right. then we'll go edit it together. You're not making it's, a circuit board. Yeah. No, it's like, while we're here, what else can we do? What, right. what you know? Um, so, yeah. I love that answer. It's 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 wonderful, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately. So it's perfect. Let's uh, let's do the super speed round, because and then we'll get you out of here right on time. Sure. I've always wanted to ask you because when I was shooting Crashing, uh, the show that Judd and I did, yeah, I I would uh, are doing. Um, I would smoke pot sometimes, and I yes. never really did that I, when I was working. Yeah, but then I noticed that it really helped me not get up my own ass. Yeah. 
like that first on the call sheet sort of thing never appealed to me. Yeah. I just felt like a guy happy yeah. to be eating some melon. No, very much so. Would you say it takes some of that bullshit out of your life? For sure. I mean, <laughs> I think like I think it helped like to me, I've, I've come down to just like whatever works for you. Like, it's yeah, whatever like, gets you through the whatever night. gets you through the day. Like, it's fucking tough out there. Like, whatever, you know, everyone. But it could potentially increase kindness and patience and and a little bit of humility. Even it could. I'm generally uh, I'm afraid people are gonna yell at me for being stoned. So I'm generally in, starting from a remorseful place. Ah. In general. <laughs> um, but uh, I do think it at times helps me be present. And I also think at times it completely puts me in my head and, sure. and does the opposite. So it's, it's knowing it's knowing what what and when. But I, I reverse think, engineered the theory yeah. holding you in my mind. Yeah, uh, as an example, I for sure. I was uh, like, oh, he doesn't seem showbiz. Yeah, maybe uh, in a good it's way because I smoke weed. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, you can see what I did there. Yeah, I was like, it seemed to help it's me. A leading question. Not, it is. Yeah. I'm leading you. Um, it's I don't know if that well, has, let me, it let, might have something to do with it. Let me just ask what it, what yeah. it means to you. Then this will be the speed round. What's the greatest thing you've learned about weed? Um, <laughs> I learned that I it, that I process it much differently than a lot of other people. Is that true? <laughs> yes, very much so. Well, like, in what way? Because I've just experienced so many times where I'll smoke weed with someone and like they are just fucked up all day, and I'm ready to keep going about my business as though I just had a, a you know a, a glass of water. Like <laughs> I'm, just, I'm an incredibly incredibly functional yes. weed smoker whereas a lot of people just aren't that's and, so funny and i and i think that that's something that i've over the years become much more sensitive to is like i i tell people like don't like i think also sometimes people around me are like oh let's smoke let's yeah smoke some weed then yeah and I'm like, I have to be like, don't smoke a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> or, or don't I smoke, or feel free to not smoke any of this. When I'm honestly. on a date with Valerie, I'll yeah. go, she doesn't, but I'll go, don't go drink for drink for me. Like, yeah. I know it looks like yeah. I'm a, I can take a Manhattan down in two sips. Yeah. Don't you do that. No, don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. And so, but I mean, for me, it's, I don't know. Like, I honestly, like, I stopped debating a long time ago. Is this making me better or worse? Is it helping or hurting? Like, I've, I I honestly don't even think about it that much yeah, you in like that it. way. I just like it. It helps. I remember, like, years ago when I was writing for Undeclared, talking to Brent Forrester about it because I would sometimes smoke weed while we were writing. And I remember saying, like, I don't know if it makes me better at working, but it makes me not care that I'm working. <laughs> and, ah. I thought, and, like, it's something that I've actually seen in actors that I know who smoke weed but don't smoke weed when they're working is they really want to go home. <laughs> like, they really are. They're, they're the actors who are always like, when am I going to be done? Am That's I in this next scene? Uh, like, do you need me for this next shot? Because they want to leave. They're to postponing go. Yeah, because they they're postponing their <laughs> happiness. Their yeah. Exactly. And, <laughs> and maybe those actors are not functional soders, and that's great. But if, it, but and, and again, once again, like I've also worked with actors where I'm like, oh, this person spoke too much weed and it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's happened, happened to me. me. So it's not, again, it's not for everybody. It that's affects funny. me differently. Actually, I forgot to give this to you at the yeah. beginning. This is CBD. Do you ever use CBD? I really don't that often. It makes your body feel good, right? Try that. Yeah. Okay. That's Charlotte's Web. That, nice. They gave me some and I I'll wanted take to it. give you some. I'll take it. I love it. it. That to me is what weed sounds like to you is that it's completely functional. I, yeah. I like to tell people it'll make your body feel good but you can read a book yeah exactly um well let's continue with this again we only have five minutes it's okay greatest lesson you've learned about writing just first thoughts it doesn't have to be um super profound. To, to 
I used to think we wrote movies fast, and now I realize we write movies really slow. Like really? to to not be afraid to like to like. I think the actual writing of the script process is 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 like for us like five percent of the process, mm. and ninety five percent of it is the years beforehand where we talk about it and have conversations and spitball. What is the big idea behind this? How can we get that across? Mm. What kind of movie? What makes it different? Our best movies are the ones that we've spent years and years and years mm. working on, mm. like Super Bad, Pineapple Express. You know, the ones that me and Evan have written, like, um, This is the End, Sausage Party, like, th- those ones, all of them had, like, a gestation period mm. of years. It's like Bridesmaids uh, was a long Yeah, exactly, a coming. long gestation. Yeah. And, um, and then I look at other of our movies that happened faster, and I'm like, they probably could have benefited from a longer gestation period. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, I love that. Comedy, greatest, one of the great lessons you've learned about comedy? Um... Jokes. To be personal, to, to and to just to do stuff only that I remember when I was really young, I did stand up, and I kind of uh, I was like maybe fourteen, and I was trying to I didn't really get what kind of stand up I should be, and I but I was a fan of a lot of different stand up, so I kind of tried like Stephen Wright, like bizarre humor, and then I kind of tried to, like Seinfeld, observational humor, and like I would kind of do different styles of jokes, <laughs> kind of seeing which one I liked, and then there's a stand up named Daryl Lennox who still does stand up. I think he's great. And, uh, he was super nice to me and he pulled me aside after a show and he was like, you're like 14 years old, man. He's like, you're the only guy here. Who's like trying to grab a tit for the first time. Like talk, he's like, talk, talk about, about that. that. Like, that's crazy. man. I get so mad at yeah. that aren't addressing. Yeah. And their he's like, elephant. yeah. And he's like, you're <laughs> the only person here who can talk about what it's like to try to get a hand job for the first time in real time. Yeah. You're not reflecting on it. Yes. You're experiencing it. You're trying to get your you're driver's trying to license jump to 42. Yeah. Like literally, that's what he said. Yeah, literally, that's what I was doing. I was, I had a joke about crazy girl. What's so crazy about crazy girl? Yeah. Like it was like, it was like, and he's like, talk about the shit that only you yes. can talk about. Yes. And that like completely changed everything. And that's why we started writing super bad. Because yes. it was the shit that that's when I started telling jokes about, you know, trying to hook up with girls and trying to sneak into strip clubs and trying to buy beer and yeah. the shit that I was actually experiencing, you. like as a high school kid. Right, right, right. And that was, pro- and then it was just like, I got so much better at it. And the response you would see, because people were so skeptical when you're like a 15 year old stand up comedian. Like, yeah. I would be the first guy to be like, fuck this shit. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to watch yeah, a 15 year old stand comedian. But then, as soon as I started talking about 15 year old shit in a way that was like, in no way I wore like a fucking Stussy shirt and cargo shorts <laughs> on stage. Like, I didn't try to dress like a comedian at all. Like, I, I, I dressed like a 16 year old kid. And I think. That, like, people responded so much more to it, and I could just see them being like, oh, he's not trying to act like an adult. Yeah. He's funny, thank God, but he's talking about the shit that a 16-year-old should be talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
that was like a very valuable lesson. I find if, if another comedian says something about you or to you that is really, really funny and yeah. you deflect that. Yeah. It's like, dude, you look like this. You should talk about that. And if yeah. you're like, I'm not that. No, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm grown and, and serious. The, yeah, and there was one other young person who did stand up who's around my age, maybe 15 or 16. And he wore like a suit and like he dressed like fucking Harry Anderson. Like <laughs> he, like he had like a little hat and everything. And I remember just like being like, fuck this guy. Like this guy. Is like everything that I, as a 15 year old stand up comedian, like yes. am standing against. Like, that's so good. I a good nemesis. Yeah. I need he a was, nemesis. He was my nemesis. It's but, good to have a nemesis. Yeah, but that was a good lesson is talk about getting hand jobs. I love it. <laughs> we kind of covered the other ones. Uh, so I'll just say, um, what is the heart one of the times you laugh the hardest in your life? It's always. Again, I'm not looking for a great story, but when I talk about that, you could be 12, you could be last week. When I think about laughing hard, I think about being at summer camp, and I think about, like, we would all be lying in our bunk beds late at night, literally with people I'm still really good friends with, and, like, that's when you'd hit this, like, weird, like, delirious state. We'd usually be making fun of one of the people in the cabin (laughs) for some horrible thing, but, like, I – because I just went back to my summer camp – over the summer to wow. like for a weekend with some friends and I had while it was active. No, it was like uh, right after the kids had left, but I hadn't been there in like 20 years. And, and that was like the visceral feeling I kept feeling. It was like, I feel like I laughed harder than I ever mm. laughed in my life. Like lying in these bunk beds yes. just, and like not even able to see anyone. I remember just, you just be like looking up at the ceiling yeah. and all the lights were off and just being like in hysterics. Yes. Um, Keeping the council. And it's something I was thinking about with Seinfeld. Like, I remember a Seinfeld interview where he talks about, like, like how his friends were always the funniest people. Yeah. Like, and that, and that's still true to me. Like, to like, no one makes me laugh harder than like my friends who have nothing to do with comedy. Yeah. Like just the people that I love, that. I grew up with. And like, they're the people that like, to me are the funniest people I know. And, and I still think that's the case. You just uh, wrote it down and kind of started dissecting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. Or they just, yeah, we're shitty writers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have the compulsion. I yeah. Guess I guess they just didn't. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Do you feel good? I feel fantastic. Is there anything you need to plug I'm not promoting. Or no, no, I'm not promoting anything. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I still just myself. <laughs> Seth Rogen still ah. exists in the world. I always try, try to be aware of him. If you see me, be nice. <laughs> don't that's make my a, day that's worse. A good one. That's a good yeah, one. Just be yeah. nice to me. Coward. Yeah. <laughs> don't, uh, don't call me out. Uh, well, thanks, man. I, I I'm so honored that you did it. No problem, man. I had a great time. Thank you, and good luck with everything you're doing right now. Thank you. Oh, I'm would gonna... you say keep it crispy? It's how. Uh, we end. Keep it crispy. <laughs> Zero hesitation. <laughs> I'll do anything. I mean, it's all been beaten out of me. <laughs> I love it. Now leaving Nerdist.com.